Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. And I'll tell you what I'm going to say to your playing today. Amen. <laughs> because that's what you were playing is all these incredible good old hymns with the amen and some of these evangelistic songs that had the amen in them too. And you did an awesome job. And hello, everybody out there. And so today we have a lot to cover as usual. We're going to sort of get into the invisible Bible uh, on some of these things that need to be explained so that um, as we get into this deep word of the revelation of Artura and the deep word uh, that has to do about the, the Ziths, uh, which uh, people call UFOs, flying saucers, etc., uh, that you have a, a good background of Scripture uh, to support because uh, there's a lot of people coming on with all kinds of hocus-pocus statements and, uh, and they have no proof of any kind. They don't have evidence uh, that is in hand. Uh, sure, they've got a few blips uh, that they show in the videos, uh, but, but those are still UFOs. They're unidentified and uh, th they have nothing to really uh, give a proof uh, but a lot of exclamations of, um, you know, uh, guesswork. And um, what we do is, we the proof that we use is from the Holy Bible and from the witness of people's spirits with the Word of God when they hear it. So uh, today is um, Analog with Angels, Part 9. And our prayer to be imbued through this teaching today is for the deliverance and the healing of diabetes. Diabetes is just practically a plague in the world today. And a lot of people are suffering uh, from that terrible disease. And my father, which art in heaven, is a miracle maker. And he is... He is love because the Bible does say in the book of John that God is love and truly he is. So as we speak these words of grace and power and revelation, imbued in those words as because God has told me that I was to tell the people this and he would reveal to me, you know, each week, he would reveal to me what to imbue for what kind of prayer. And so today uh, it is for diabetes and, and, you know, for uh, all of the organs that are associated with uh, producing uh, the, the properties uh, that sometimes as a, as a lack of or too much of, uh, there is a result of diabetes. So um, we won't get to the technical story of it because Everybody knows what diabetes is uh, that has done any reading to speak of at all or, or knows very many people. So we thank you, dear God, for this opportunity to speak your word. And we just ask your Holy Spirit to just, as you said, you would imbue into these words that you lead and guide us to speak. And that with this imbuement, uh, there will be uh, a, a transference to the listeners for the healing in their body. And this process that will begin, 
will will uh, build and build and build for the ultimate deliverance. We thank you and we praise you for that, and we glorify your name. And we are remembering, as I shared with you the scripture last week in Second Corinthians three six, that the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. So we know we can have the memorization of the letter down and we can really think that we've found life but if it isn't endowed and imbued and inspired by the Holy Spirit then it is a dead word because only the Holy Spirit gives life to the letter and so we're going to start today with a very important subject this is the you know, part of all this thing about the resurrection and where do we go and where do we not go and and to sort of clarify so many things that have been taught and that people believe to be an absolute thing. And and we, we, we just want to uh we want to go over that because uh truthfully uh it is not the right place for uh for people to be uh that just you know don't uh, don't get the picture. Don't get the idea that uh, you know that that God is moving by His Spirit, and uh, if we if we don't get that idea of God moving by the Spirit, then uh, we we don't really get what what the the Lord is trying to teach and trying to to show us. So uh, we um, we we just want to. Uh, to thank God that we can we can get into this kind of a word and that we can share it because if we don't don't share these things then uh we got a problem so if you will turn with me uh you know to um a scripture that um that we want to to share with you um second corinthians five six through nine and let me make this statement, because I'm sure that many of you have heard this, um, <clears throat> about what does, what does the Bible say about being present with the Lord? Well, I have heard this quote for years and years and years of my life, and I still see it uh, on the internet, where preachers and ministers quote, and they say, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent with, from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so when people hear that, then they interpret that the, the meaning uh, is of the nature that as soon as we die and the, we no longer have the body, we instantly are with Jesus Christ wherever he is. And that is what is being taught based on a misinterpretation of the Scripture. And let me repeat it again. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay, let's look and see what it really says in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 3. For I verily, as absent in the body, but present in the Spirit, have judged already as though I am present with you. Concerning concerning him that has so done this deed. Now, here we have an example of um, 
of something important because we have the ex we have the example that um, uh, there is this absence of the body and there is this presence of the spirit but in this particular case Paul is still here and he hasn't left the earth to go to be with Jesus Christ wherever Jesus Christ is so as we as we look at that uh, we really really begin to see uh, some some very important things uh, and that's just the beginning of it now turn to second Corinthians uh, 5 6 Second Corinthians five six, and this is where we really get into that other scripture I was talking about, and will open up your mind. Second Corinthians five six, so here we go. And it says, therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And someone would hear that and say, sure, well, that's, that's what they said. They said, you know, when we're absent from the body, we'll be present with the Lord. But, you know, I know it sounds like that, but that is not what it says. And it's not what it says by any means. So let's look at it carefully. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. What this is saying and it's very important to understand it, is that if we are totally content with the mortal life, if we are totally into the things uh, of, the, of the world that have to do w with, with uh, uh, the, the extra uh, essential things or, or, or too much of the terrestrial, terrene things, uh, and we're just, it, it, we're at home. We're, we're just totally content to be a human. We're totally content to, to be a mortal. And, and we, we, you know, aren't too exercised in our emotions about uh, when we are going to leave for heaven or when we are going to be with Christ because we are totally content and at home in the body. And this is what this scripture is saying. So now, now uh, it's, it's very important that, that we get the understanding uh, of the scripture. And sometimes to do that, you have to go back into uh, the con context. Uh, for instance, if we look at, at chapter 4, um, you know, and we read verse 1, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but manifesting the truth, uh, com uh, commending ourselves uh, to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now, then he goes on, he talks, If the gospel be hid, it said to them who are lost, verse 4, In whom the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, uh, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, this whole thing is about the light shining out of darkness, shining into our hearts to give light, as it mentions it in verse uh, 6. And then it goes on. Uh, we get into um, 
verse 10, always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So the whole revelation of all of this is this manifestation of Jesus Christ in our body using this physical house that we live in uh, to, to uh, become a, a tool a tool uh, for for manifesting the word and to become a home uh, by by which and through which uh, the Holy Spirit has a temple to to speak and to operate out of. So it goes on then saying in verse eleven, for we for we which live are always and we're in chapter four, for we which live and that is Second Corinthians, excuse me, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, for the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So again, this is the subject being manifested in the mortal flesh. <clears throat> so then death worketh in us, but life in you, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have spoken, we also and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus Christ raised up us also by Jesus uh, and shall be present uh, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes. Okay, now um, it go, let's uh, go on down um, in verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, this is mortal flesh and so forth, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay, now, then he makes his point. For we know if our earthly house of this tabernacle were, were, were resolved, or dis dissolved, uh, let's read it again. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with the house which is from heaven. Um, and and it goes on for verse four, and we are uh, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened not for what we would, uh, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that this mortality might be swallowed up in life. Now he makes this connection of this ultimate place of dematerialization. But then he connects right back again to this idea that we're not being asked to declothe ourselves, uh, you know, uh, but we're we're supposed to be clothed upon in the sense that that um, mortality is swallowed up in our life in the things that we desire, uh, you know. So now he hath wrought us the self same thing in God also hath given us the earnest of spirit. Therefore we are confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent, for the, uh, absent from the Lord. So, believe it or not, that is quite a difference uh, than what people are, are, are used to understanding that. Uh, they're, abs they're used to saying, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, that is leaving out this part while we are at home in the body. They're leaving out that part while we are at home in the body because that is the, the, the descriptive line 
that makes it very, very clear what it's talking about. And, it's, and, and so let's read it again. Verse 6, chapter um, 5 of Second Corinthians. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So we have to have this mortality take on this holiness of God so that it's manifested in our flesh. And, um, and, 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 and we, cannot, we will not have that experience if we are just totally uh, satisfied totally at home in our bodies and the life of our bodies. And, and uh, when you get to that kind of a place, you are not looking to walk by faith. You are not e expressing uh, to, to the story uh, about the theme of, of the things that belong uh, to the overcoming life. Um, and then the preposition verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, we are, and then that verse goes back to verse 18 of chapter 4. And we're now in chapter 5. For, for while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's talking about the body state and the spiritual state that a person must apply to the life while living in the body. And, and, and so then all of this, this you know, writ here, is is getting to a point, and it's important not to be uh, not to be taken out of context. Uh, we are confident, I say, that that and and rather willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Uh, and, but he, this this all goes back to uh, differentiation of whether you are at home in the body or not. If you're not at home in the body, then you are present with the Lord. Now, what does it mean, present with the Lord? Well, um, you know, um, this, this, is, this, is, this is what is important. There are two things about being present with the Lord. There's the being present with the Lord in this life as we live, and having his Shekinah glory present with us, and having Jesus in our heart and having, having the witness of his spirit, and, and that we are in him and he is in us. And, and that is, that is uh, the one main presence that we're talking about. Now, what has happened here is people have changed this into the presence, meaning that you die and then your presence uh, goes off into space or wherever to be with the Lord. But it, it's not based on the, the, uh, the connectedness uh, of the contextual uh, aspect of the, by the Holy Spirit of all of this writing that Paul is making. And then he gives this final preposition, and this should help people understand what the subject is, real, is, is really about, because this is really a differentiation from dying and automatically going and being with, with uh, Jesus wherever he is. Because it says for, preposition, this is, this is a causeway. This is like the kind of causeway that says because. Th that will happen the way it is said that it will happen because here's what must, here is the real finality of it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may be received uh, uh, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it is good or bad. So this whole subject 
is about what you do in your body, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing. And, 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 and by doing the right thing, having the presence of God, doing the wrong thing, being at home in your body. But it said, don't, don't make a confusion on this. Before, there's going to be a settlement of this, and, and you're really going to be with God, you have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Because it's going to, there has to be a judgment seat of Christ to, to determine uh, where you go and to, to melt out, measure out, uh, you know, the scale of justice. You know, are you, are you weighing uh, in the uh, favorable tally or are you uh, weighing and being, being uh, found wanting? Uh, that has to happen uh, before you are to go and be with Christ uh, in the overcoming realm. Uh, that doesn't mean that there is not uh, particularities uh, of, of an order in which uh, you are being regenerated, and in that regeneration, uh, you may uh, be in a particular physical world or physical place uh, where uh, the appearance of Christ may at times come, just like He has on the earth, different times, both before and after the resurrection, and then even before He was in the body of Jesus, as He was in the body of Melchizedek. So, so there are all of these different understandings. Now we, we, we have the story of, um, of um, you know, like of, of, of Abraham, and Abraham was in the physical body, and, and the Bible says that, you know, most people are, that are going to be Christians are after the seed of Abraham, and uh, he has a gospel through Christ that, that goes out to all the nations and kingdoms of the world. Uh, but there is something that a lot of people are not aware of. And, and uh, uh, we're, we're going to show that to you. And, and like people will say, well, you know, Abraham, uh, you know, he, he was called to, uh, and he had a destiny uh, to, to leave uh, Ur and to go into, over in Canaan. And uh, he was, had a, a vision of being able to find this city not made with hands. And, and uh, uh, so people, people think that it's an automatic that Abraham found that city not built with hands. But actually, what he found, he found Melchizedek. And because Melchizedek is the king of Salem, the king of that city, uh, he was, was given a, a, a credit uh, of, of, of sorts. Uh, for for his faith, as as Paul acknowledges, but fact of the matter is, the Bible is very very clear about Abraham that Abraham never did find the city uh, that was not made with hands. And I'm going to read it to you right here in the Bible, uh, in the uh, the book of Hebrew, eleven and 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 uh, let's uh, let's see here. Let's start with eleven. Um, Eight, Hebrews eleven eight. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after received an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he so journeyed in the land of promise, in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked 
for, preposition, causation, for he looked for a city which foundations, whose, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promise. Therefore sprang there even of one, this was referring to, to Abraham because he was so old, and him as good as dead, so many of the stars of the sky in multitude. Uh, you know, he was over uh, like 100 years old when some of these, uh, you know, uh, things started happening and, uh, of having uh, fulfilled some of the promises about, about uh, you know, the, the, the heirs and children that he was to have. And he, the Bible says that his body was just about, you know, good as dead. Uh, he, was, he was so old according to that time. Verse 12, therefore spring there even of one uh, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars uh, of the sky and multitude. Now take notice that, that, that the offspring of, of Abraham is compared to the stars of the sky and multitude. And as the sand of the sea by the seashore innumerable, both of these sand of the sea and stars of the heaven, they have very deep, important relevance metaphorically. 13, these, and it just got through mentioning uh, Abraham, and, and it mentions his, uh, you know, his, his offspring, um, and he mentions Sarah, his wife, and this, I want you to get this, I want you to get it. In verse 9, he mentions Isaac and Jacob, and a Abraham in verse 8, and and uh, he he mentions Sarah in verse eleven, and and in verse twelve it mentions this large number of offsprings that began of Abraham. Verse thirteen says these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They they saw the promise. But when Abraham left Ur, he didn't, he didn't know where he was going and he didn't know what the story was. But they saw the promise afar off, but they never received it. It didn't happen to them. So listen, they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them that embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if it had been mindful of that country, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Uh, but now they desire a better country, that is a heavenly country. So they might have returned to their country that they came out of it because that was a much more advanced uh, um, uh, you know, time of society in, in those areas. Uh, they, they had more science, they had um, more um, uh, really civilized uh, functions uh, in some ways. That doesn't you know, make them perfect. They had plenty of idolatry and all of that. But still, you know, uh, if they had not been aware of this city and were so intensely looking for it, they might have returned that out of their life. But they were looking for the city, although they never found it. 
and that included Abraham. He is listed as the as the, he was in the conversation of of the these that it mentions. So, get those things in your mind. Get this straight. There's a reason that Abraham is the the bosom. He he is the father uh, of of those people that are in this large group. And and that are, are involved uh, with uh, the um, Asia Major, uh, the Big Dipper, and 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 that he's not part of the Melchizedek group, which is Asia Minor and the Little Dipper group, and and so there is a differentiation between these two groups, and I wanted to then uh, take you next to uh, the understanding of of all of this so that you could really get in on, on uh, what the meaning of, of these scriptures are about. You know, so what we're going to do uh, right now is we're going to look at these, this scripture. Let's turn to Psalms 68.22. Now we might probably start with 68.16. Psalms 68.16 probably. Let me just get over here and get this going because uh, this is important. Okay. <clears throat> now, I mentioned uh, last week about these uh, two different groups that I, Asia Minor, Asia Major, uh, and and them both be in a place where the saints of God went uh, uh, and I, I had uh, a, some uh, persons ask me questions uh, about that, and, and they didn't quite understand it. Uh, they didn't quite understand it based on uh, the scripture that is found in Psalms and Ephesians, uh, which I'm going to read to you now, Psalm 68:18. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men, yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God might dwell among them. Now, when people read this, there is so much here that a lot of times they don't, they don't really get the story. They don't really understand what it is saying. But here's, here's what it is saying, and then we'll get into all of the, uh, you know, the, the, the scriptural backing and so forth. Um, when a person go, goes over here or looks at this uh, scripture, like in, in, in um, Psalms uh, 68, and you say if you start with the 15th verse, the hill of God is as, is as the hill of Bashan, uh, a, a, a high hill as the hill of Bashan. Why leap ye on the high hills? So a person might read that and this thing of the high hills and so forth, and you might think that somehow when it talks about in verse 18, and thou hast ascended on, up on high, that those high hills are relative in the sense of identifying that is talking about an earthly place. But the fact of, it, of the matter is, is that is 100% not the case. And uh, we can... We can easily, uh, you know, show that. Uh, for instance, um, when we look at those high hills that it talks about in Bashan, 
and these other high hills that it mentions in verse 16. The, that comes from uh, he, the Hebrew uh, Strong's Concordance 1386, and it means a hump of peaks of hills. And that is from the understanding of the high, H-I-G-H. And that, that word is, uh, uh, you know, comes from the root um, of the Hebrew in Strong's Concordance Dictionary, 1384. So between the 1384 and, uh, and the uh, 1386, 1386 being a hump of, of peaks, of hills high, and then 1384, which is the root of it, which means uh, to be arched or contracted high. So the high that comes uh, in the language of those hills, including Bashan, uh, they, are, they are talking literally about the hills that have to do physically and they're called a lump, which is such a perfect word to describe, you know, the mesh of what makes a mountain. And uh, also perfectly denoted when it talks about uh, the arch, uh, which is the, uh, gives you, shows you the acclivity of the hills and so forth. And then specifically uh, perfect when it talks about being contracted, which is a word that can be used to describe the process that happens in the earth uh, by the the upheaval that happens there uh, and the forces that, that that happen there that cause this contraction to take place that form this arch or these these hills. Now that is very specifically spelled out by the very reference. Of the, of the meaning of those Hebrew words that were used that said high. But when we come down to verse 18, and it says, for, the, for thou hast ascended on high, then we find that that is a, an entirely different word. And that is so very, very important for, for you know, the people to get into and to, to look up and check it out, because when you see that that particular uh, word that it is talking about there has a totally different meaning than these other words, that this specific high that it's talking about is really, really interesting, because what it, it, it refers to is, um, you know, to... Um, uh, to an Old Testament word. And, and the, the, this Old Testament word is shamayim. And shamayim is used a lot in the Old Testament. And it signifies heave, heaved up things. The heaving up of things are heave. And if you take heave, H-E-A-V-E, you are only missing one letter for it to spell heaven. H-E-A-V-E, heave. If you add an N to it, you have heaven. Well, actually, if you get into the, uh, the, uh, the ancient words of, the, uh, of English, you will find that the word he, uh, heaven that was used uh, is shown in the English language 
to have come from the word heave. And the reason it comes from the word heave is because those people of that day were very versed into the Bible, and they were familiar with the shamajim, the shamajim, uh, that that is used in various scriptures like Psalms 103:11, Isaiah 58:10, Proverbs 2:5.3 uh, or 25:3, uh, in which it means heaved up or the heights, signifying that. So when we begin to to see that, uh, or 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 the the um, Greek counterpart on it, on it, arenos. Uh, which means uh, sky or air or atmosphere, then we can see when it talks about high that it's actually referring to the word uh, that is, is going above uh, the earth and, and referring to heaven, heaved up, referring to heaven. And, and that, that actual word heaved up can be found in the references uh, when, when you, you look for this uh, in the references. And and uh, you will be uh, utterly amazed because, uh, you know, it's in the book. Just take a look. And it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to think that, that, uh, that those kind of, of um, connections are, are, are in, the, in, in the book. And uh, like, for instance, um, when we talk about on high, uh, and we we look at the, at that uh, Hebrew word um, that that is, that we is, that is in Psalm sixty eight eighteen, and we see the word high uh, that comes from uh, forty seven ninety one of Strong's Concordance uh, uh, for the Hebrew, and and that forty seven ninety one comes from seven three one one. Okay, <coughs> so now looking at forty seven ninety one. What that means is is uh, altitude, elevated place, far above, height, and then when we look at um, where the root that it came from, seventy three eleven, of the Hebrew that you can find in Strong's Concordance, seventy three eleven, it means heave up, and it equals heaven. So that is so important then to look at that and 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 have the proof. So when it says, thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, he's talking about that there were people on earth that were captive. These are angels that fell, and they are living in, in bodies, <coughs> which in the book of Peter is called the Tartaru, Tartaru. T-A-R-T-A-R-O-T-A-R-T-A-R-R-O-O, Tartaru. And that means, um, means incarceration. Now, they translated that as hell, but that is, that, you know, it can mean hell uh, in, the, in a, a very long-stretched uh, meaning of the word. But in the, in the general first uh, part meaning of the word, it's, it is about incarceration. And so when you begin to understand that and you, and you begin to say that he took the, the captivity captive, well, what, why would he take someone from captivity and, and put them in, into captivity again? 
uh, why wouldn't he just uh, set them free and get them out of prison if that's what that is? Because this is a very special case. This is talking about people, human beings, the sons of, and daughters of Enoch who were bound in physical bodies. They were bound in physical bodies. The, and and they were prisoners in those physical bodies. Their spirit was bound in those physical bodies. And they were captive to that material, that, that prison that was made out of the, the molecular chains that bound them. And that is so important because, you know, Paul... You know, Paul had an understanding of that. Uh, he he really did. He he uh, he, he saw so much. Uh, you know, he he was such such a, a, a man of God. He he uh, he just saw saw so much. Uh, in in Colossians chapter two, he talks about and not holding the head from which all the body by joined joints and bands have nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Here he describes the, the body. And, and, and it's, this is, these are other words that, that describe Jude 19, about the, about the chains. And, and it says, And not holding the head by which all the body, by the joints and the bands, uh, having nourishment ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God, you've got this knitting, you've got these bands, they're basically molecular chains is what we've got there. And, and so it is a, a perfect description of the human body having this situation. So now you've got Jesus who said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. There will be two in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. There will be two at the mill, one taken, one left. And and then my angels are coming, and and, and they're going to, to rapture these people. They're going to take them up. The angels are going to, to, to take them up. And they're going to take them up in, this, in, in a great, uh, you know, planodome and, and, and ziths and, and, and transport these people. And, and I've read you scriptures even last week about the transport and the very word uh, referring to that and, and how that, that is a, the root really backs up that idea of, the, of being transported. And, and so this thing about on high is so very important because it is talking about being heaved up to heaven, being heaved up to the Father's house, which is also called heaven, because just like in Genesis, where any any planet that has a firmament and that has the atmospheres, which include oxygen, and therefore is a, has the the H two O, both water and air and oxygen, and and it's a living planet, uh, it 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 has been designated in the Book of Genesis as being called heaven. And I've read that to you many times. And so the, the planet, uh, uh, the Father's house planet, Arturus, not Arturus, pardon me, Artura, that, that we refer to, uh, was that, that heaven, uh, you know, a, a, a kind of paradise that, that, that these, um, uh, you know, sons and daughters of, of, um, of, of uh, Enoch were taken to. Now, they were captive in bodies. So Jesus did not say, okay, you're going to all die, and as soon as you all die at the flood, 
then I'll take your spirits and I'll take you and you know to heaven with me. No, he took their bodies, which was captive, which was he took their spirits, which was captive in bodies, and he took those bodies with the, the captive spirits. And he kept them captive. He took captivity captive and he left them in those bodies but transported them to a different planet where they could live on. And that's what this incredible scripture is saying here. And it's so very, very, very important. So let's read it again. Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive. He led captivity captive. (laughs) He ascended on high. These people were taken to the Little Dipper area where Polaris is, the star Polaris, that people on the seas for ages of time have used to find direction. And he took them still captive in their bodies. He took the captivity, took them still captive and delivered them there. And this is, this is what, you know, a particular kind of, of true aspect of the rapture is. These, these people are, are, are literally taken in their bodies, and they're moved to another place that is physical. This isn't just a moving of the spirit to a different energy location. This is the moving of physical bodies to a physical place the captivity captive. And so there was that first part. Then there's a second part to this. For the rebellious also, now we have an and, also an and are, are, are equal. That means there is an additional situation that happened. So now we have incorporated here two different a set, you might say, of one area where the captive were, captivity was taken captive, and then another area. Wow. Okay. Now we've got for the rebellious also that the Lord God might dwell among them. How does God dwell among them? Through Abraham. He dwells among them. And we see by the scriptures on the bosom of Abraham and how that he he was Paul describes and says, you know, here's the really true story. You know, he says Abraham did not see or find the city. And I read that to you. But he says in, Ab- in, in Hebrews 11.40, that all was, was because without us there should not be any made perfect. And therefore, they understanding that, they sought a better resurrection. So there was a plan. There was a plan because Abraham had his particular call. And that call was to, to be Father Abraham 
of this bosom location. And it was a place where the rebellious, don't get the idea that just saints are going to these places. But people are going to there, they're rebellious, but they still have opportunities. They still have opportunities to be regenerated and to and become saved. And so they also go to, the, the, to that location, not to the, the first location, not that it, it does not mean that all the sons of Enoch were perfect. They weren't. But they, they, they had the call to be able to see the city of God. And, and Abraham was, was, was held back from that so that, um, so that this ministry that was all planned for those that were to come future could all be connected and not separated by someone becoming spinning off and and becoming perfect and separating uh, that person from being able uh, to 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 be the kind of person that God wants that person to be in that in the position of uh, of uh, being uh, you know a bosom and and so that means then there are differences of these bosoms. Abrahamic bosom is different from the father's bosom, and the father's bosom is different from the the carriage bosom, which is the transportation mode, uh, also called a, a bosom. There's there's differences of them, and that is all intended and meant to be. So now we have, thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive, thou hast received gifts for the for men, yea, for the rebellious also that the Lord may, may dwell among them. And now, in that same setting, he's explaining something about, in verse 22, And the Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan. I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea. This is talking about regeneration. I'm going to stop right there. I sort of got carried away. And we're going to take a break. Thank you.
Well, thank you again very much, Janet Lee. And, ladies and gentlemen, I know this is intense. There's a lot here. But turn to, uh, and we're going to come back to Psalms, and we're going to go on over into Ephesians. But Ezekiel 16, verse 49. And, and I, I want you to get something here. This is important. Ezekiel 16, verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride and fullness of bread and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Now that is a powerful scripture. If you think about the terrible destruction that happened to Sodom and Gomorrah and how that this terrible, this fireball of sort of almost like a, an asphalt came down and destroyed those cities. And it, it says that they had iniquity, they had pride, they had wealth, they had fullness of bread. <clears throat> and they weren't interested in helping the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and they committed abominations. But it said nevertheless that when God took them away, he took them away as he saw good. He took them for their benefit. And it goes on, it says, verse 51, Neither hath Samaria committed half of thy sins. <coughs> Excuse me. Neither hath Samaria committed half of thy sins. But thou hast multiplied thy abominations more than they, and hast, hast justified thy sisters in all thy, thine abominations which thou hast done. Now that's talking about Israel. Israel, you know, has committed more sins than Samaria. And, and her sisters, which included, you know, uh, Sodom. Thou also, which hast judged thy sisters, bear thine own shame. For thy sins that thou hast committed are more abominable than they. They are more righteous than thou. These, some of these people that went through this horrible, destructive thing, God took them away as he saw good because they were actually more righteous with all of their abominations than some of the people of Israel were. That's quite a revelation. Be thou confounded, and also bear thy shame, in that thou hast justified thy sisters. Now get, I want you to get onto this track. This is the railroad track I want you on. Verse 53 of Ezekiel 16. When I shall bring again their captivity, the captivity of Sodom, the captivity of Samaria, her daughters, then I will bring again the captivity of, the, of thy captives in the midst of them, that thou mayest bear thine own shame and may be confounded in all that thou hast done, in that thou art a covenant to them, when thy sister Sodom and her daughters shall return to their former estate, and Samaria and her daughters shall return to their former estate, then thou and thy daughters shall then thou and thy daughters shall return to your former estate. Now, here's about this captivity captive stuff. And here's the story of how that these people, which were different from the people that were taken up 
to Artura because they were they they were alive. These people died, but even though they died, there was obviously a special place that they went to because God took them away as he saw good. And he had a plan. And that plan was that he would bring again their captivity. What does he mean bring again their captivity? He would bring them back into bodies to live so that these people could live again. And they would return to their former estate, which was living as human beings. They would be regenerated. And this is the Bible. This is the Word of God. So this language of God, this description by the language of God, in the, the Bible Word of God, is profound. Because it is showing people the truth and nothing but the truth. So help this Bible in the name of God. And now, as we begin to see this, and how that we see when we were in Psalms, and you, you can go back there to, to Psalms, you know, uh, 68. And, and, and we're going to look at that. We're, gonna, we're going to uh, finish some uh, references there. Uh, this is just so, so important that we can't leave it out because uh, without understanding this, uh, although I preached on some of these subjects before, I haven't been as deep in it as I have uh, have today. But but uh, uh, we're on a journey, people, a, j a journey of, of coming into the understanding of, of the Word of God. Now here we are, 6818. Thou hast ascended on high, thou hast led captivity captive. Now you better understand it, how that Sodom and Gomorrah and Samaria, Sodom and Gomorrah and Samaria, they, they had from the spirit world a return. So in this great place of Abraham's bosom are not only people that uh, could have been transported from body to body, uh, body still being a human body, or uh, transported, uh, transported in a spiritual sense, uh, because they have the opportunity of re-ingeneration so that they can return to their, their first state of the physical, not first state of the spiritual. Wow. And it's very interesting when it talks about uh, this, this, this whole thing. Uh, it, it, it is so interesting. Now, this thing of captivity and the body and the chains and all of that. When you look at Romans 7.23, it talks about the law of captivity in my members that were, were sins of the law. And this, the, these sins uh, against the law uh, uh, dwelt and lived in, in the members of the body. And it was a law of captivity, it was called. Wow. Wow. We be, we, we, ladies and gentlemen, it, it, when Jesus went down and he preached to the souls that were sometimes disobedient, to the people that were sometimes disobedient during the times of, of the flood, which we find in uh, 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20, and uh, chapter 4, 2, 
verse 2 and 6, chapter 4, verse 2 and 6, and 3, 18 and 20. Uh, when we begin to, to see how that Jesus went down and he gave these people a chance, but then you've got someone coming along and saying, now when he went down and he did this thing, where he delivered these people that were in Hades or whatever they want to call it, then he that closed that off. That was Old Testament, and now started the New Testament, and so people don't go there anymore. Wrong. The very fact that the Bible says that these people went to Abraham's bosom, this is already after Jesus came. Jesus is already positively talking about that whole parable and that whole meaning. There's no scripture anywhere to support that Jesus, uh, after he came that cl and, and he went to these uh, souls, that that closed out Abrahamic's bosom, closed out the Father's bosom, closed out the transport bosom. There's no scripture to that anywhere in the entire whole Bible. It's just been made up by saying that because this event happened of the sending and the descending, then that event closed it out. There's nothing saying that at all. Because we see by these other uh, uh, comparatives, like in, in Ezekiel, that there is some time in some future point where all these people, even of Sodom, Gomorrah, and, and, uh, and Samaria, are going to be brought back to their captivity. It's part of the plan of God for the people to come into this body because it, it, they are salvage. And, and so the whole word and, and concept of salvation is a, you know, attached to that idea that, that the one word has a connection to the other, salvage, salvation. So the salvation is to redeem the salvage and to save it. And it's a glorious, glorious revelation. Now, we know that there are scriptures. Um, let's turn to Isaiah 61. In Isaiah 61, we're looking at verse 16. And I don't think I've got the right, right scripture here. Um, let's look at uh, uh, 61 verse 5. There we go. I'm stumbling over my notes here. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. Now the Bible tells us that there's going to be aliens. And what has not been understood about this thing of aliens is that when we look up that particular word on, on alien, and we really get into, you know, the scripture of it. We find out when we look at, um, at 
1471 in the Hebrew Strong's Concordance <coughs> that these particular aliens were very favorable. They, they were not foes, they were friends. Sometimes aliens can be foes. But the scripture there makes it very, very clear that they were not foes, they were friends. So when we see this, this thing, someone says, well, you mean that they're going to get out there and, and they're going to be plowmen and, and, and vine dressers and they're going to be feeding the flocks? What it's really talking about is they are going to, they are going to come and be teachers of gardening and ranching. And they are going to teach, and these are talking about the in the future, when the Artersians are going to come and actually show the people of the earth how to improve their biology, how to improve their genetics, how to improve the planting and, and the cultivation and the farming and the ranching, how to overcome pollution. And that is just so great. You know, I mentioned in, in the scripture when we were into this thing about the captivity in, uh, in Psalm 68 about he descended to the rebellious. Well, if you look up the scripture on the rebellious and you look up that word, uh, Hebrew 5637, it means revolter, slide back, stubborn, withdrew. So these are people that obviously had, been, had experienced the things of God, but had backslidden. But they weren't, they weren't totally cut off. They hadn't committed the unpardonable sin. They still had an opportunity. And this is so important. So very important. When we look at the, um, at the captivity captive, and we, 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 we look at that in 70, uh, uh, Strong's uh, Hebrew Dictionary 7617, and I'm talking about the old uh, Strong's because there's a new Strong's out. And if we take the old Strong's, it talks about to transport. And, and, and this was the verse I was talking about earlier because it actually comes uh, from a prime root that means that aspect of to transport. And that scripture then is very uh, stalwart, very strong uh, uh, in, in the Hebrew, in, in the book of Psalms, uh, as to that these cap take, that these ascended uh, were not lump mountain heights. These were heights off into the, the skies above and beyond, the, into the heavens. And it was, a, it was a transportation thing that happened, and it's right there in the Bible. Blessed be the name of God. So that captivity was also explained in 7628 of the Hebrews Concordance, as, and it came from uh, 7618. So we got 7628, 7617 and 7620 uh, 7618 again 7628 
76-17-76-18, which means in 76-18, exiled captive. Wow. Wow. And then in 76-18, there's an incredible manifest word that for many, many years we have shared in our Melchizedek meetings. And it is Shabu. And this Shabu uh, is, is, is a root. And then it means subdivision into streamers, flashes, flames that sparkle. And, and, and they sparkle as the gem of the agate. Now, it's interesting. And, you know, I know this is almost uh, dabbling with words. But when you take the agate, which is spelled A-G-A-T-E, and you separate the A from the, from the G-A-T-E, you've got A-gate. So in this concept of taking away the prisoners, taking them into an exile, you know, taking them on a, and transporting them, uh, still captive in their bodies, to Artura, to the Father's house, and Jesus said in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may also be. Wow. And this Shabu, subdivision into the streamers, can't you see that connected to the, to the Ziths and them streaming with such velocity, <coughs> streaming with such velocity that their craft and all the people in it just went through, moved through the skies like a streak of color. And that the flashes and the streaming of this shabu tied into the gem, sparkling the agate, a gate. <laughs> a gate. Oh, wow. And, and there is so much that could be said here. And I could go on so so long, you know, uh, with this study. But, you know, I just can't do it because there's so much to cover. But this thing about captivity and on high and, and, and bring again from Bashan and that tying into like, you know, Ezekiel 16 that I read of all the captivity. That That is just all super and awesome. It's exciting. And I, I, just, I just want you people to get that. Now, <clears throat> let's, um, let's go over to uh, Ephesians 4, because we can't leave out that scripture. And here's what it says. Verse 8. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high. Now he's... This is Paul quoting the, uh, the scripture that I read to you out of 68th chapter of Psalms. Wherefore he saith, when he descended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. This is very important how this is worded. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high. In other words, after he ascended up on high, he said, here's what I've done. I have led captivity captive, and I have given gifts unto, unto men. 
Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth, or into the spirit world? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens, that he might fulfill all things. Fulfill what kind of things? In my Father's house are many mansions. I go away to prepare a place for you. And also the, 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 his teaching on the Abrahamic bosom. So there is incorporated into this. And, and Paul doesn't ascribe to uh, all of the uh, potentials of the scripture given in, in Psalms. But he describes to the part uh, on the descendant aspect as being those that, that um, you know, had died. You know, and and uh, and that they were in a uh, a preserved uh, place in the lower parts of the earth. Uh, this is getting into the the Hades kind of thing, the, you know. And and uh, uh, some people say, well, you don't get out of Hades, do you? Oh, sure. There's 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 there is Hades where Jesus took the thief on the cross. He said, this day you'll be with me. In, in you know in paradise and that was upper Hades which is different from lower Hades and as we begin to see then however and it's it's good that Paul did write this in the way he did because he's showing uh, and verifying the thing that happened in the book of Peter which we we just we gave you the scriptures first uh, Peter 3 18 through 20 and 4 uh, two and uh, six, uh, four, two and six. Uh, wow. Uh, let Let's just go over and read it because it is it's pretty important. Okay. Um, we 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 just some of these scriptures are 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 too important to just to just leave standing. Uh, they they uh, they really they really have to be really have to be read and dealt with because they're um, <laughs> they're about the future as well as about the past and as you as you begin to really get into the into these things you see how important it is so here we go um, chapter 3 verse 18 for Christ also once suffered for sins to just for the unjust that he might bring to us bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the spirit by which also he went and preached, he preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight, uh, eight souls were saved by water. Okay. Then he goes and he says, in verse 6, For this cause was the gospel preached, unto them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Now, why did he preach to those people that were dead? So they could be regenerated, just like it says in the 16th chapter of Ezekiel. He preached to them so that they would get a chance, as it says here, to go back into their, their estate and, 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 and be judged according to men who had a flesh body. But even though they had a flesh body, 
as it says in Corinthians, they they could live in the flesh. Uh, they could live in the flesh, but they could also live uh, in such a way that that they were often so often in the spirit that that they had a power of overcoming over the flesh while they were still in the body in the flesh. I'm making that sound a little bit complicated, perhaps, but the to make it more simple. They were going to take bodies again because they, they weren't finished with that. They hadn't overcome it. But he was going to show them how that if they, even though they were in the flesh, that if they were in the spirit, that the things done in their mortal body would not be held against them because they were in the spirit. And by being in the spirit, they were in Jesus Christ. And, and they become immune to all of those things. And I'm telling you, it all goes together. This, this is what Paul was alluding to when he was talking about, you know, going down and preaching to these, the, to the dead. And he was emphasizing on that aspect. Uh, the Testament out of Psalms emphasized on additional aspect, uh, plus that one. So that, that is all just super and, and beautiful, you know. Now, Plato, uh, he, he says that in the spirit world, uh, you live in disembodied spirits, naked of the flesh, and you contemplate on eternal things. But then you've got these Christian people that said, no, that's just all wrong. That's not what it says. What they say that Paul teaches is that you're going to have a body that's just like your body now, except you don't have any flesh and you don't have any blood. And except in Christ, you know, in the, this new kingdom, there's neither male nor female. <laughs> now, come on, people. How dumb are we going to get? How dumb are we going to get? You see some person out here, if you could see them, and they didn't have any flesh, and they didn't have any blood, and they weren't male or female, and we can mention some other things. Would you say that we had a body just like we used to have, but the only difference is we didn't have any flesh and didn't have any blood <laughs> and weren't male or female? Didn't marry or give in marriage? Because this is talking about the, the, the kingdom of God, the first domain, the heaven above the heavens, the heaven of heavens. <laughs> and and, and the, the ignorance and the depravity and, and, and the, the false conclusions and the false interpretations that are being given out there and that people have been brainwashed with to where they, they believe those things even though they don't really have correlation for it. Is pathetic. So that even Plato was more correct than as it, as it writes it in the J.K. Greider Dictionary. Because I'll tell you for sure, when, when Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 about the body being raised up, it was very, very clear of what he was talking about. 
And and I don't have time to go preach on that today because <laughs> that's another huge subject. Wow. Um, I just don't want to run out of time. But this thing about the alien in, in Isaiah 61.5, in, in, in the concordance, Strong's Concordance Hebrew Dictionary 52.36, it showed that the, that and, and these aliens could be either a friend or a foe. But the emphasis on the root of 5236, which was 5334, for that particular scripture of alien found in Isaiah 61.5, was recognition, be acquainted, care for, respect, revere, so that this particular use of an alien that's going to teach the people how to cultivate on the earth and, and, and someone say, oh, well, we'll be so advanced there won't be anything they can tell them. Don't think so. Don't get into that trap. God's got a plan. And, and, and the plan is that these aliens are, are actually guardians. Wow. And, and so, you know, uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's utterly beautiful. It's utterly beautiful. Okay. <clears throat> wow. Oh, I want so much to share with you some of these things. I, I, uh, I'm going to just take a little bit of time because I'm just about over the line here. I want to tell you that next week I'm going to give you the scriptures. And I'm going to show you how that there are three groups of angels plus Satan's angels that fly ships. And there's the United States that is very advanced and has flying saucer-like, uh, you know, vessels or craft. And there is a there's a, there's a fraudulent thing that's that's been taught out there, and it, and it, and it was it was all all part of a plan. And I'm talking about the part on the U.S. side of things as regards flying saucers and so forth. I want to get more into that. And I want to show you that there's that the Bible, and I've got the scriptures, that the seraphim fly ziths in our skies, the cherubims fly zith in our skies, and the artersians fly ziths in our skies. And Lucifer's angels fly zams in our skies. And all this business about all these other hocus-pocus kind of creatures that people have seen and so forth, those are nothing as bad as I said last week, but I, I'll still get way more detail on this, but I'm out of time. I'll still get into that to show you how fraudulent that that is because it is, it is a photo translated, injected into the minds of these people, false memory. We'll get into it. <clears throat> and I want to tell you more about this experience when, 
I was standing upstairs in Indiana and I had this experience in which as I looked out this window I saw a zith coming toward that big house. And as I was standing there a ray came out from this zith and came right through the window and busted out the pane and took my body and sucked it into the UFO. And just as I was starting to go out the window with this force, I, I was turned in such a way I could see that all the clothes had been taken right off my body by this, this force. It just sucked my body right out the window and, and right out of my clothes. And I, I drove around in this Zith. And there's a story. And when I was finally let down, which was about maybe a mile from home, I was, my body was covered with a light, like an aura, so that you could not see my nakedness. And I, I had to hide whenever I saw a car coming to make sure that that the people weren't freaked out and called the police. And that I'd end up the police coming and, and put me into some strange kind of containment. I had to hide in places I could find. And it was late at night. And I, when I got home to the property there, which had a lot of acreage, and there was the big house up on the hill, and then the other buildings that had other residents, I saw that I dared not go to the door and reveal myself to my wife because I was afraid she'd have a heart attack because my whole body was aglow. So I had to sit and wait for this glow, this shining, this aura to settle down before I could make contact. And I had to find something to put over me, to cover me, And there was another time when this UFO came, which was really not a UFO, but was a, a Zith. And landed, and this little short man, not a big tall man, but he was, he was, not, a, he was not a robot or an android. And I went out and talked with him. And we understood each other by just mind communication. And I put my hand on his shoulder and I, I could feel that his heart rhythm and his heartbeat was, was, was a faster, faster heartbeat. And, and, and he was, his whole body was geared uh, much more accelerated than mine and the other humans. And I brought him up to the house and brought him in and we had, I found a star map, and I put it up. And I asked him to point out on that star map certain things. And he went up to the star map, and he pointed out and showed these various things. 
And then he went back and got into the Zith, and they took off. I do have, when this, on another occasion, a Zith came and hovered right outside our windows and ha created a huge orange uh, light that just engulfed everything around the house and on the windows. I have two uh, persons, they were really involved in the experience of seeing that that Zith. And I have affidavits from them going way, way back. I've been waiting for the right time to to put this on. And I have a a a rendering that one of the ladies drew of what this UFO that people call it or Zith that we call it looked like. I still have that. In the future, we plan to either have that printed in one of the books that we're doing or to put it online. We're, we're just waiting on the Lord on that. So there's lots to talk about and lots of scriptures to share and just some incredibly awesome things. But I, I felt that this thing about being absent from the body and instant being with God is not the interpretation of that scripture, but it was as I showed you. What it really said is that if you're at home living in your body and it's, it's something that's satisfactory to you, it pleases you, then you are absent from God. It's a big difference from how they are saying that. And I felt that the, the revealing of this thing about the, the captivity captive and the two different places of direction and dissection. And there's so much more, of course, that could be said that goes along with all that. Was really important as a foundation so that when we go into the rest of these teachings, you'll have that foundation because what we are slowly doing is just building one scripture, then another, then another, then another, that is... Uh, supporting as foundations these incredible teachings so that people know they're just not some makeup, just some imagination, but they have the proof of the scripture. May the imbuing of God's word through this teaching continue to, to heal and to set free those who are bound with that terrible affliction of diabetes. Oh, how God loves you. Oh, how God wants to set you free. Receive this word into your heart. Let it live in you. And let this imbuement set you free from that plague that you've got. Because God truly does love you. He does. And he truly does care about you. God bless you.